Miami's opponent is set, a rematch of last season's Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Boston Celtics. Where are the key matchups and the biggest X-Factors? What is the key battleground for Miami? And what is the road that might lead to a trip to the NBA Finals? We break it all down and offer our predictions on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Vermill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube Odyssey or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. The Celtics beat the Sixers on Sunday, so now we know it's going to be Heat Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four seasons. A ton to get into with this matchup, including how the Heat plan to slow down Jason Tatum, what the Heat need from Jimmy Butler, X-Factors, and we'll give our predictions. But let's start with the starting lineups mm-hmm. uh, and those matchups, because I think that's the first really big question is, who starts for Boston? All right, they went with the double big lineup of Al Horford and Robert Williams um, in those final two games against the Sixers. Uh, to close out that series, it sounds like the players prefer that group, right? But Joe Mazzulla is also preferred to go small most of the season with Derek White in, in Williams' place. My guess is because it worked, because the players seem to prefer it, that the Celtics are going to stick with that double big lineup and that the Heat are going to stick with Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo in the front court, which is another question we can get to. Um, if that's the case, here's the matchups that I have, David. Let's just jump right into this. Um, I think that the Heat would have uh, Max Struess guard. Well, let's start with the front court. I think that we have Bam start on Al Horford. That tends to be what it is that they do with that matchup. And then Kevin Love mm-hmm. on Robert Williams. Um, they like to put Jimmy Butler on Jalen Brown. Um, that's historically what they do in these matchups. And that leaves Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to defend Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum. I don't think that they want to go Struce on Tatum. My guess is that they'd go Gabe Vincent on Tatum and then probably try to hide Struce a little bit on Marcus Smart. Um, not a lot of great options to guard Tatum if that's sort of the configuration. I I think it's time to suggest that Bam pick up Tatum. Uh, I think you, huh. I, I think, you know, I, we saw him take the the responsibility of guarding the much phys- much more physical Julius Randle and doing a really good job of that. I don't think that you can afford to have Struess or Vincent pick up Tatum. And Horford is somebody that Struess can match up with and at least challenge. They're not going to put Horford in the low post or anything like that. So it's basically a, a matter of just kind of like staying out in the perimeter, making sure that Horford doesn't put up those three-point shots, challenging him to a degree, getting a hand up in his face. And that's something that Struess is capable of doing. So I don't think you can afford to let Tatum go off. And the best way of doing that is by putting one of your best offenders in Bam Adebayo. And no, the, the, the trouble with that, though, is that there's a potential for a, a foul trouble situation. And that's not great because Bam, obviously, one of your key players in the series. But right. I, I think it's worth exploring the idea. And look, we're going to see multiple players guarding everybody because that's just the nature of the series. And we saw it last uh, against the Knicks as well. You're going to have lots of players picking him up. But as far as I, th- I think Bam can handle the matchup of Tatum pretty adequately. So that I, I think leave, it's worth 
that would leave Kevin Love on Al Horford, which is a little bit of a of an issue just because Al Horford is that guy that's involved in a lot of their uh, Boston's pick and roll actions, pick and pop stuff. And now if you're bringing Al Horford into that pick and roll action and you're switching it, that's going to put Kevin Love on Tatum, Kevin Love on Jalen Brown or something like that. Um, I, but I does like it Love they, match up more with Robert Williams then? And then who do you have guarding Al Horford? Do you put Max Struess on Al Horford? Yeah. Because that's Truce. what they did. They did that in the conference finals last year. So yeah, maybe you put Love on Williams. Uh, but then you're asking Struess to get in the, those switch act. Look, I don't hate it. I really don't. I mean, you're looking at these options where it's it's like, I think Gabe Vincent can start possessions on Jason Tatum. I am a little worried about how that projects long-term throughout a game and throughout the series, certainly. That, that is Especially not a with Gabe having... Gabe. He's, he had to be in lockstep with Jalen Brunson for a whole series, and, and we saw how that wore him down uh, as that series went on, too. So it's just a lot to ask of Gabe Vincent. So the other question I have is, I have is do you switch up your starting lineup, right? Yeah. Because um, I like the Kevin Love idea. And like I said, I think that the Heat are going to start with that and just sort of see where it goes and kind of make your adjustments after that. Definitely. But there could be an argument to go back to your old starting lineup of, of Caleb Martin at the four. That leaves Caleb Martin to guard uh, Jason Tatum, which is a matchup they prefer during the regular season. Uh, Jimmy back on Jalen Brown. Um, and then you kind of, and then if you, if, if Boston sticks with the double bigs, I'm with you, Struce, you could put him on Horford. They saw, we saw them do that with Brooke Lopez in the first yep. series of these playoffs, right? They're okay with that matchup. Bam on Williams. Um, and then, and then Gabe can just kind of match up more naturally with Marcus Smart. At that I would, point. I wouldn't mess with the starting lineup. I, I think it's pretty set. We'd stay with Kevin Love. Love. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, you need something from Love, and we'll talk about this throughout the rest of the episode. But, I mean, his rebounding edge is going to be crucial. I think he can do a, a good enough job of keeping Robert Williams off the glass. We saw Mitchell Robinson, although he was hindered by an injury, I think Love did a fairly decent job of at least boxing, uh, you know, boxing him out on occasion, being yeah. able to challenge for those boards, draw a foul, create opportunities with those outlet passes and things of that sort. So I, I think we'll continue to see that. They've never seen... Uh, the heat with with Kevin Love, and I I think it's going to add uh, a certain X factor to it. Not quite the X factor for the series, but certainly a factor. And look, it's not like Caleb's not going to play a significant amount of time. He's going to come off the bench with Kyle Lowry, the same way he did against the New York Knicks, and that's going to be a strong duo, a strong tandem uh, as far as their defensive presence. Lowry on Smart, uh, Martin picking up whomever's got the, got it going when Jimmy has to sit because he will you know he will sit on occasion in the first half. And so I think Caleb Martin picks up that defensive matchup regarding either Brown or Jalen or, or Jason Tatum. So I, I think, you know, Miami has options. And I honestly think they have more options than the Boston Celtics do, which is why Miami has a slight edge in that department. While Boston has more talented top-tier players in terms of Jason and Brown over Jimmy and Bam put together, I think Miami has more defensive options, which we saw – effectively work against the New York Knicks. That was one of the better offenses throughout the regular season. And Miami dragged them into their style of play, dragged them through the mud. And so while the Celtics were really good offensively, particularly early in the season, I think Miami has a few options there that can make things a little bit more difficult for the season. Yeah, I think what you said about the first time them seeing Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo is a really good point, right? It kind of it puts the onus a little bit on Boston obviously to sort of figure out what it is that that work that what works with bam and kevin love how to counter that where either way if the if the celtics go small with Derek white in place of, of robert williams or if they stick mm. with the double big lineup which i think you and i both 
anticipate is going to be the case. They have seen both versions of that. They kind of know what to expect for the most part. Um, I'm with, I still, I think it's going to be Kevin Love. I wouldn't mind experimenting with starting lineup changes as the series goes on, but I think we're going to see the same starting lineup. You can make the argument, like if Max Struess doesn't have a shot falling, do you just put Caleb Martin in at two guard and keep Kevin Love in that starting lineup and at least have Caleb Martin as a more logical matchup against, uh, against Jason Tatum. So there's some things that spoke and go to, but I think what we're going to see is the lineup that closed the Knicks series for the Heat, the lineup that closed the Sixers series for the Celtics, and then both coaches. Joe Mazzulla does also, like I said, prefer that smaller lineup. How quick of a leash does he have? Right. On, 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 on How short of a leash does he have on this starting lineup before he kind of goes back to what his comfort zone is uh, versus what it seems like the players prefer based on the reporting around it. Who the takes this terms the first? Like, who, who, which team goes out there and puts their imprint? And I guess it, it matters on the final outcome of game yeah, one sure. and how effective those starting lineups are. But I, I think both coaches have shown the willingness to tinker with whatever is necessary over the course of the series. Um, and look, we're talking about one-on-one -on -one matchups. Both of these teams are going to switch a ton. All these things are going to get scrambled. Both of these teams are going to talk about, hey, we want to get out and run and create points in transition going into this series. Um, like all that stuff is going to happen and all that kind of stuff scrambles the matchups. Uh, so this is just like a baseline where we're going to start here. Um, how they guard Tatum, I think is, is like that guy just scored 51 points in a closeout game against the Sixers him and versus Jimmy Butler. Like that's going to be one of these key battlegrounds that we're about to talk about in this series. If it's Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Jimmy Butler, whoever it is that is, is picking up Jason Tatum and on any particular possession, like, the Heat are going to send doubles every time Tatum gets into the paint, right? You might have Jimmy Butler or, or Bam Adebayo or, or somebody else uh, crashing the paint and trying to muck things up for him. Like, it's going to be a team effort sure. um, no matter what. And and you could say the same thing for for the Celtics and how it is that they're going to approach somebody like Jimmy Butler or uh, Bam Adebayo. But we're going to get into those key battlegrounds here in a second. There's one area where the Heat could be in big trouble this series and the numbers don't look good for them. We'll tell you what that is next, but it, uh, David first tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by prize picks and their new million dollar daily super flex promotions. Every day of the NBA playoffs up to, and including the NBA finals, one prize picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry has to be placed after 8 a.m. Eastern and it'll be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. You get six correct picks, you get a million dollars, five correct picks, 80 grand, four correct picks, 16 grand. Full details can be found over at pricepicks.com slash million, and you must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be a lucky winner. And playing daily fantasy sports has never been easier because it's just you versus the projected numbers. Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money, and you can do it on any sport imaginable. Versus it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, men's and women's college sports, Euro sports, whatever you've got lined up, you'll find it over at Prize Picks. So download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com. Sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. So if you deposit 100 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 100 bucks. But again, only if you use that promo code LOCKEDON at sign up and you download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com and play daily fantasy sports today. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day we'll be back tomorrow with our report from this afternoon's Heat practice and answer the biggest questions of the series. What are some key battlegrounds in this series? We saw against the Knicks 
that the series was won with 50-50 balls, rebounding. Those were big talking points throughout that series, David. The Heat did a better job of it in game six, and they win the series, right? And I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think the three-point shooting in the series is going to be huge. Uh, the Heat are shooting 30% in these playoffs. Uh, the Celtics are shooting nearly 40% in the playoffs. In the regular season, the Heat were a bottom five team in three-point shooting. The Celtics were elite. They took the second most threes in the league. They made them at the sixth best clip. When I look at where the scales of this matchup could tip one way or the other, uh, this one isn't looking good for the Heat, David. Uh, who do you think needs to step up in terms of the three-point shooting? My X factor in that regard, and there are several, I think it's Duncan Robinson. He seems to always get it going against the Boston Celtics. Maybe it's a little hometown cooking. But while you'd like to see you know, see Max Strews set the pace early on because he was so comfortable, so confident, having that boost of having another elite shooter come off the bench, light them up for three to four you know, three-pointers per game. And I think that's what it's going to take for Miami to be able to kind of keep the pace with Boston and their elite shooting, as you pointed out. So I think Duncan Robinson is a huge X factor. Like you're going to get three-point opportunities from Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin. Jimmy's going to have the opportunity, assuming he's back to 100% health, and that's always the biggest X factor with any kind of series. But for me, looking at Duncan taking advantage of Boston's lack of depth. And that's another thing. They only went seven players deep yep. in their matchup. That's a, a strength of Miami's. And while it's born out of necessity, because you don't have Tyler Hero, because you don't have Victor Ladipo, we saw all those players contribute at varying points. There were games where Duncan Robinson was closing, and, and for good reason, because he had that three-point shot. He was part of the fourth-quarter lineup, and he was holding his own defensively. I, I think... Maybe it was the nature of the Knicks versus Heat and the level of physicality, which was so intense. But they let, I mean, a lot of fans on both sides probably would complain about the officiating, but they let a lot of it go through on a play-to-by-play possession, you know, nature, because they were just, they were there was physicality on both ends. They weren't calling the kind of, ticky-tack fouls that they would normally call during the Well, the Knicks season. also weren't targeting Duncan Robinson enough. If I'm a That's Knicks fair. fan, I, I'm complaining about that more than any sort of official. Well, who would have targeted him, too? Yeah, but, I, mean, I don't know that there were well, a lot of options in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Jalen Brunson, does it, it's not really his game. He kind of just likes to get us to his spots and then figure it yeah. out. Uh, so, And Julius Randle was a mess. That until, like, so you think they'll keep, you'll get... I think, the Celtics are much, I think the Celtics are much better at that. Like That's sort of what Tatum and Jalen Brown do. They call up your guy in a pick and roll and they go to work. Um, so I am a little concerned to see what Duncan Robinson looks like. He is a big X factor in the series. If he's, he's going to give up points on the defense end. He just is, um, they're going to target him. He's going to foul, even though he's done a much better job of fouling since he's been back in the rotation, uh, this most recent point, but, um, can the Celtics take advantage of that matchup? And then more importantly, maybe can Duncan Robinson make enough threes on the other end to where it counteracts, yeah, right? Where it's worth having him out there on the court. I'll push back a little bit on on the fact that on on you saying that the Heat are deeper than the Celtics. I don't know that that's the case. I just think that the, because the Celtics went seven deep, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Like Grant Williams can play in the series. He didn't really play. He wasn't one of those seven that you mentioned. Like I think we could see Peyton Pritchard in this series a little bit because I don't know that you're that worried about Miami taking advantage of him defensively, right? Like Jimmy Butler is going to try to find mismatches and stuff sure. too. But I, I think that there's just guys that can play in this series that the Celtics didn't really go to down the stretch of that Sixers series. Now, as this series goes on, do these teams sort of whittle away at their rotations? And then both I'm interested to see if the heat end up going like seven or eight deep instead of nine or 10 deep, right? Like you can tell me that they're deeper, but when we, when you're really talking about deeper, like, are we talking about Haywood Highsmith and Cody Zeller? 
Because if mm. I'm the Celtics, I'm not like scared of those guys, right? I'm, they're just it just turns out that the Heat were playing them strategically. That was part of their scheme where the Celtics decided to just uh, shorten their bench. So um, I think these teams are pretty. I think it's even necessary in terms right? of depth. What those guys ha- those guys have to play like. I mean, yeah. Miami just doesn't have those kind of options. I, I mean, Zeller's going to have to play because Bam's going to need a rest. And, and yeah. yeah, you can, I guess, alternate with Kevin Love. But if he's starting, too, that's not really much of an option. And that really leaves Kyle and Caleb as your best bench options. I think but those are your just... top three guys. It's going to be Zeller, Kyle Lowry, Caleb. And then the question is, can Duncan Robinson stay on the court? Is Haywood Highsmith going to be a factor? And so I think you've got a pretty solid eight that you feel good with if you're yeah. Miami. Uh, the other option, too, is you can always stagger Love and Bam, and, and you could figure out your big man rotation that way. But I think Cody Zeller will have to get some minutes regardless, even if you do, sure. do that a little bit more than you have been. Um, no, but I think the three, like just to go back to the three-point shooting, Duncan Robinson's going to be huge. Kevin Love is going to be huge. Kayla Martin, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry. Like, it's on all of them to have better. Kyle Lowry's shooting like 35% in the playoffs so far. He's been really good. Um, I think he's going to be a big part of this series, especially that beginning of the second quarter. If if Spo sticks with those same rotation patterns where Jimmy's going to get his break at the beginning of the second quarter and they go with Lowry and Bam Adebayo to kind of anchor that offense to start that period, that pick and roll could be really big. It was it was big uh, in the fourth quarter of that closeout game against the Knicks. Uh, Kyle Lowry finding Bam in that pocket pass for that dunk late in the game, which was like the easiest score they had in that fourth quarter. Um, he's going to be big, I think, in this series. And, and we're talking about differences between last year's conference finals and this year's one. Last year, Lowry's obviously starting and was a little bit banged up. We've got a refreshed Kyle Lowry coming off the bench, playing 25 very impactful minutes every one of these playoff games. That, to me, is a big X factor in this series. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, And uh, at the same time, uh, a lot of our listeners and viewers probably know that I'm a a Lowry apologist or at least have made uh, a believer in his his ability and his contributions. But we're seeing it pay off. And, And I think his IQ, the savvy, the experience, all those platitudes uh, have been a huge positive factor for Miami. He's he's absolutely brought it. Like he's been a, a really strong positive factor, and I think that's going to continue to be the case. Like I, I just Derek White could be an option for them off the bench or even as a starter, but I think Lowry can not take advantage of that matchup. But I could see him getting White and or Smart into respective foul trouble there and, and continuing to attack them. I could see him just. I mean, he he he's, he bodied up. Mitchell Robinson, he bodied up Julius Randle on occasion. Like that's for him to be healthy at this point in the season is such a big plus. And I'm glad that you brought up the fact that he wasn't healthy last year. And I think this is another factor that I mean, considering the fact that they were without Lowry last season, yes, they had Victor Lodipo and Tyler Hero, et cetera. But still for that for him, you know, to be healthy now versus what they saw last year, I think it's a, a really big plus for Miami. So I, I'm in a total agreement there. I think Lowry's gonna be huge this series with his score, his defense, and yeah. his overall IQ presence. One other thing on Kevin Love, too. Um, if he's making threes earlier oh, in this series, that's, that's going to be huge because now you're talking about Robert Williams being drawn out to the perimeter. What, they, what the Celtics really want to do, well, I think Horford will start on Bam, and then Williams will be on Kevin Love. Probably. But, uh, and, and so, Can they afford but, that, though? Can, like, oh. I mean – can they? Can the Celtics afford that? Like to have Williams playing so far away from the basket? That's well, that's the thing. Right. That's the thing, right? They they don't want him to do that. They want him near the basket. But if Kevin Love is not making threes, then you can afford for Rob Williams to play off of him a little bit, and then when Kevin Love catches, have somebody close out or just rotate over. Um, but you're right. Like maybe they do put. I'm just saying historically they've had Horford guard Bam. But yeah, Joe Mazzulla could switch that up and say, you know what? Let's have Robert Williams on Bam. 
Yeah. But then you're dragging, then Bam goes into the pick and roll action. He's their primary screener. And now Robert Williams is back in the on-ball action where everything the Celtics are trying to do with Robert Williams is has have him as a help defender to crowd the paint. So I think they'll probably start with him on Kevin Love and just dare Kevin Love to beat them, which he didn't shoot well against They're the Knicks. He had a bad series. So I think that's probably where they start with it. But if Kevin Love does have it going, then like you said, like now if you're Joe Missoula, you have to ask those questions. Do we kind of move around that matchup a little bit? Um, because if Kevin Love is, is spacing the floor and Robert Williams has to come out, that is so much more space for Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry to get into the paint. Um, that's going to be such a big factor. It's going to be one of those things I'm looking at right away is how do the Heat try to get Kevin Love involved right off the bat? And is it effective against drawing Robert Williams out of that paint? Because when Robert Williams is on, he has been a problem for Miami in the past. Um, yeah. But when he's been off, he's also been a non-factor. And that's kind of the Robert Williams experience, I guess a little bit um any other x factors I and mean, we were talking about battlegrounds too i think the rebounding is pretty much even with these two teams um especially in the playoffs percentage wise like rebounding rate wise the celtics are a little bit better of a de- defensive rebounding team the heat are a slightly better offensive rebounding team i have that as basically a wash both of these teams don't turn the ball over very much at all um mm. that's going to be interesting i think where the heat like to try to get the celtics into trouble is when jalen brown is trying to make things happen. Can you pickpocket him a little bit? No Victor Oladipo in this series, obviously, with the knee injury. So that's going to be uh, tough because Victor Oladipo had some important minutes in the conference finals last year. But can you can you kind of bait Jalen Brown into turning the ball over? I think might be something the Heat try to do. Um, and then keeping your own turnovers really low. And then the free throw battle, that's something that's going to be important. Mm. The Heat are generating two extra foul shots a game in the regular season and in the playoffs. Maybe that's an equalizer, especially if the the Celtics have it going from three more than the Heat do. Um, but all those things are going to be huge factors, and the, the 50-50 balls and all that stuff of, also, of course. But um, it, it's just interesting seeing these matchups and how even they are in terms of the rebounding, playing clean basketball, not turning the ball over, all this stuff. They're so even. But the Celtics' big advantage is the three-point shooting, right? And where the Heat, I do think they have uh, one really big advantage we'll tell you what that is next we're also going to give our predictions for the series coming up on locked on heat thanks for making locked on heat your first listen every day every day as we'll be back tomorrow to answer the biggest questions of the series you can reach us on twitter instagram email us locked on heat at gmail.com thanks to everybody leaving comments uh here on youtube during the live stream version of this show make sure that you like the episode uh subscribe here on youtube and also make sure that you follow us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Um, all right. Last thought before we get to our predictions, David, a playoff series is all about identifying advantages and then leveraging those advantages, right? We talked about the three-point shooting already. Uh, the Heat know this, that they're going to need to close that three-point shooting margin just like they closed the rebounding margin against the Knicks, right? I think Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum is going to be huge in this series. Who can outplay the other one? That's going to obviously tip the scales in one way or the other. Uh, but looking across these matchups and how these teams compare, there's one area that I think the Heat have the biggest matchup advantage in this series, and that's coaching. Eric Spolstra mm. is squarely in his prime. This is like 2013 LeBron James right now in the playoffs. Like this is what he did against Mike Budenholzer, what he did against Tom Thibodeau. He is coaching circles around the rest of the league. I, I think Eric Spolstra has never been better at what it is that he is doing. He's never been better at his craft than he is right now. And he is having an incredible playoff series. 
It's one of the reasons why the Heat are the first ever number eight seed in a non-lockout season to advance to the conference finals. Spo is as big a part of that as anybody else that is employed by the Miami Heat. And that includes Jimmy Butler, by the way. Um, and then you compare that to what Joe Mazzulla did, where I thought he did an okay job the last two games against Doc Rivers and the Sixers, but he's a rookie head coach, first ever conference finals. Uh, kind of a depleted bench behind him, too, in terms of his assistance and what it is that he was able to do and hire before the start of the season. Um, I, I think that this is a huge advantage for the Miami Heat. And though the Celtics have home court advantage, I kind and obviously would have game seven at home. The further this series goes, I think the more it plays into the Miami Heat strengths, because now you're asking, you're getting Spo more and more time to adjust, and you're giving Joe Mazzula more and more time to maybe be a little exposed. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to brush back on that a little bit. I, and I can't believe you put me in this position, but I, I have to not necessarily attack Spo because I, I think anybody who's listened to the show at any point knows that we're big believers in what Eric Spolstra has done and, and also convinced that he is one of the best coaches in NBA history, certainly one of the best coaches currently in the NBA. But you look at the, the roster that Mazzola has taken to this point, and – I mean, he's a first-year coach, and he's still in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and he just went up uh, against another experienced head coach and Doc Rivers and outcoached him the last two games and was able to pull away a victory uh, and snatch, uh, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat there. And, and look, Ime Odoka did it last year, too, as another first-year head coach. And so it's not that the the role of a head coach is over-inflated or anything like that, but I, I think it can be to a certain degree. Like, there are going to be – certain possessions, certain decisions that Spo makes that are going to be factors within the context of each game. But I don't think it's going to be the ultimate deciding factor. That ultimately boils down to Jimmy Butler being healthy and whether or not Jason Tatum goes off. And, and that's what is going to define the series. Like It still has to depend on your best players, your best role players, stepping up when those opportunities come. There's only so much Eric Spolster can do to put them in those positions to take advantage of those opportunities. Mm. So I, I I think, look, we, we love Spo around these parts. I do think it's going to be a plus in Miami's favor. I'm just not ready to think that it's going to be a huge positive in Miami's favor. I just don't see how it changes the course of each game that significantly for Miami. Like There's going to be possessions, like I said, moments, but it's still dependent on those players to take advantage of those opportunities. No no doubt, but we saw against the Knicks just Spo throwing out these random double teams on Jalen Brunson, these different schemes, having this he team more prepared. Yeah. And when I think about this Celtics team, my biggest question with them is not the talent. They are as talented as any team in the league. I think they are the deepest team in the NBA. All right? That is a deep, talented team. My question with them is more between the years. Can they, are they going to get shook by the Miami Heat? Are they going to be able to execute down the stretch? Are, is Jason Tatum going to rise to the occasion? Right? Is it going to be 51 points in a closeout game for Jason Tatum or more like three points in three quarters before he hit a few three-pointers in game six for, for Celtics in, in that in their Sixers win? I, I, I wonder if the Celtics enter the series confident because they beat the Heat last year or a little bit fearful no. considering how, how much of a struggle that series was last year. Um, I, I think that – I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a lot of baggage between these two teams. It's a third time in four seasons. They're not going to just yeah, come in clean. We've talked to yeah, we've talked to enough players. Like I don't think they're concerned about that. Even even mm. within context of what they accomplished against the Bucks, they put that in their rearview mirror almost. I think it's in the like, back of their head. And if something happens early, you, those thoughts start to creep in a little bit. If Jimmy Butler comes out with a haymaker and says, "Hey, I'm the best player in here," 
I do think that stuff starts to creep in, but who knows? And that's up to the head coach to have a pulse on the team and figure it out. And Joe Mazzulla has had a pretty good pulse on his team in these playoffs. I'm going to give him credit. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just think that the longer this series goes and the more things that both coaches are sort of throwing into the mix here and adjusting, that's going to favor Eric Spolstra. And the longer the series goes, the more opportunity there is for Joe Mazzulla to kind of screw up, right? Like you just have longer exposure against a better coach team and there's just more chances. Look, obviously it starts with the players. If the players come out yeah, I just and Joe has the best scheme and they just you, miss you every trick he, he it doesn't screw matter. it up. But like, what's what's he going to do differently? Like, is he going to take, is he going to bench Tatum at a key, a key moment? Like, is he going to put the wrong player no, in? Just I, having, I the, having the schemes ready to go, dialed up, pulling the right bu- levers, pushing the right, like, just like Spo. The one thing I always said about Spo is his team was always prepared for whatever it is that Spo was going to throw at the other team. So whether or not it was like, okay, we're going to go to a 3-2 zone. We're going to go to a 1-1 three zone we're gonna go to this two three zone like the players were never like what is this they were like okay yeah we're doing this let's go and they would just hit the ground running and and and, or hey we're gonna double jalen brunson on the inbounds like just little things that this team was prepared for and they Mm. just always seemed ahead of the knicks and maybe it buys you a couple of possessions that's all we're really talking about but a couple of possessions can swing a game can swing a series david i mean it really is like i don't know so I, i don't mean to overstate the coaching matchup but when you're just looking at, okay, where are all these matchups? Coaching is going to be a huge factor in the series, it, like in any conference final series. And I do think that Spo has a clear advantage over Joe Mazzulla. There's other things you can't control, like three-point shots going in or not. You could generate, but you could control the open looks that you're getting. And sure. that's going to be up to Spo and, and, and Joe Mazzulla to kind of figure out how to scheme in those open looks um, as well. But yeah, I do you think, think they'll have a huge a, advantage. A, do you think they'll be di- uh, difficult to find those open looks? Because the Sixers seem to get plenty. And I know that's basically with Joel and B, they're commanding doubles and things of that sort. But uh, for the most part, it's not like they didn't have open opportunities. They just weren't able to capitalize on those. I don't know. I don't know. I think you, there's also like Jalen Brown helping off of James Harden in game four, was it, in the corner for James Harden to make that three-pointer? Like, that's a that's that's on Jalen Brown, but it's also a little bit of a coaching thing. Right yeah. in that break before you got to tell Jalen Brown, hey, don't help off if, if somebody's open in the corner, especially James Harden. Yeah. Um, and so somebody like, in that starting lineup has to be able to hit threes, whether it's Kevin Love, Max Struess, or Gabe Vincent, because that's going to shift the defense significantly in Miami's favor. It's going to create those open opportunities. They're going to find seams in the defense where they can attack Williams or whoever's guarding the paint. So, I mean, if you're looking for another X factor, especially when it comes to the three point shooting, it has to be somebody that's starting lineup. Has yeah. to make things more difficult for Boston, whether it's Love, loosening things up, yeah, or yeah. Gabe Vincent. I, I'm I'm expecting him to have a bigger series than he did against the Knicks. He's not going to be picking up Marcus Smart 94 feet. No need for that. You can let him kind of shoot the Celtics out of a game. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be more of a helper. I'd like to see him kind of pressure Jalen Brown when he has the ball. I'd like to see a double there between Jimmy and Gabe Vincent force those turnovers, lead to fast break opportunities that Miami can capitalize on. So I think Gabe is certainly going to be another X factor in Miami's favor. And like we said, if it's the starting lineups, Gabe could end up being on Tatum as the as the primary defender too, which would be that's, crazy. But um, that, that seems well, less seen, than ideal. It, it doesn't seem ideal. I'm just, I, I look at that starting lineup. I don't know who the better option is unless you have one of them slide on to Jalen Brown and just ask J- Jimmy Butler to pick up Tatum right away, which seems like a lot to put on Jimmy Butler. But, yeah. We've seen teams in the past put guards on Tatum, kind of the same way teams will put guards on Kevin Durant. You just kind of get to get you're able to get to the ball a little bit more, maybe create turnovers, pester him a little bit from yeah. getting to his spots. Tatum's a little bit of a finesse player. He likes to go matchup hunting, 
but he's not, he's not always willing to get all the way to the basket. He'll just he'll settle for some three pointers and mid range shots every once in a while too. So who knows? All right, we've basically talked all through this series. We've got a few more days to talk about this series. We can do the predictions now, or do you want to wait a couple of days? I'm ready now. I feel I don't love where I'm going to go. I don't have a great feel for this series, but I'm ready to give you my prediction. Let's do it. Go for You're it. Ready? All right. Um, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to throw a dart hmm. and I'm going to say heat and seven. Oh, um, I don't think home court advantage is going to matter as much. Uh, the heat are obviously going to need to win a game in Boston. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be one of these first two games in Boston. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think the heat can go and win any of these games, including a game seven in Boston. I have no doubt about that. Um, Jimmy Butler's health is going to be the biggest thing. He was limping a little bit in the locker room after game six. If he's not ready to go, and we'll probably know pretty early, if he can't get refreshed, then I feel a lot worse about this prediction. But if Jimmy Butler with four days of rest can go into this series and be something closer to what he is uh, in round one than what he was against the Knicks, he has not scored 30 points in a game since the first round of the playoffs. They need him probably averaging at least 30 points a game again in this series. But if you can get that with the Spo matchup, and then you can narrow the three-point shooting margin. I feel pretty good about the Heat in this series. I do, and so I'll go. I'll go. Like I said, I. Those are a lot of ifs, right? But um, so I'm I'm tentative, but I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to throw a dart. I'm going to say Heat in seven. It wouldn't surprise me if this went either way, though. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can I, I understand that prediction, and I echo your sentiment that Jimmy Butler changes everything. Like, you know. I know we had this argument with Locked On Celtics host John Corrales last season, but I still think that the version that, of Jimmy Butler that we saw in game one against the Knicks and certainly throughout that whole series against the Milwaukee Bucks was the best player in the NBA, much less the best player in the playoffs, much less the best player in this individual series. Knock if you're, on Jason if you're an Tatum objective person just drafting players from this series and you wanted to start your roster with one player and understanding Jimmy Butler was healthy, let's just assume he was, who would be your first pick if you had to pick players? It'd be Jimmy. Yeah, I, I think just his overall impact, like the will to win, the things that he's done, like far superior to Tatum. Like we saw Tatum in a must-win game six, kind of crap the bed for 45 minutes and not till, till the last few minutes of the game when a crucial timeout and whatever. He did, yeah. he did he score 51 up. points in game six sure, or game seven sure. for them. Absolutely yeah, they gave him dominated. life. Look, that's a knock on the Sixers more than anything else as well. But I, I just... I don't think Jimmy Butler would ever just say, you know what, I'm going to take 45 minutes off. I just don't well, think that's the case. I, I, we we have seen Jimmy coast through playoff games. We we criticized him for taking for taking only two shots in that one game against the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to disparage Tatum. He's an awesome player. He is a great young player. He's knocking on the door to be within the inner circle of the the, the superest most superstars in the league. But he needs to prove that he could put it together in these big moments. And I don't know that he's necessarily done that. Uh, last year in the finals or even in the conference finals against the Heat, where Jimmy Butler, to your point, was easily the best player in those conference finals, the most feared player by far. And Jimmy Butler injecting that fear into this series could be the biggest swing factor for the Heat because then if you're getting into the Celtics' minds a little bit and shaking them where they've proven they could be a little shakable in the past, that's going to be a big thing. So anyway, um, I gave you my prediction. What's yours? I think the roadmap to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals and then the NBA Finals is the same as it was against the New York Knicks. It's heat and six. It's win a game in Boston, win both games in Miami, 
close out the series in game six when you have them on the edge because I think they can be beaten. I know the home court advantage might not necessarily prove as much, but it's shown to be such a strength for Miami. They're 5-0 and at home, and yeah, that might change. And who knows what's the status of Jimmy Butler, but you just have to be able to – I think this Heat team, more than the Celtics team, understands the nature of a closing window, the desperation with which they have to play, the sense of urgency, like – Things that we would never have associated with this team based on where they were during the regular season. And perhaps it was all the biggest troll job, the biggest whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but they have flipped a switch from the moment that they beat the Chicago Bulls in that playing tournament and understood what was at stake more effectively, more passionately, and, and just more completely than any other team out there. They know what's at stake. They know what they have to do here. They haven't given up any room. And, and they are going to look at this series against the Boston Celtics and realize this is their window now. The Celtics can have a year or two down the road because they're younger and healthier, maybe even better. But in this matchup, I think Jimmy Butler is much more desperate to do what he has never been able to do, which is win an NBA championship. And the only way you can do that is by getting past the Celtics. So I'm expecting Jimmy to be dominant. I'm expecting the Heat bench players to step up. I think the coaching matchup is going to make a difference. And I think the Heat closes this out six games back at home. Oh, six games. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers, make sure that you're subscribed here on YouTube. Like all these videos. Give us the thumbs up, right? Hit the buttons. Uh, follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you so much for tuning in with us live right now, kind of last minute decision to go live here. So thanks everybody who did jump on here. Um, and we've got shows for you for the rest of the week. We are recapping every single game, uh, every single night. Um, we've got shows for you basically every day uh, throughout these playoffs. So thanks so much for joining in. Uh, and David, thanks so much for, uh, for talking with me. You got it, Wes.